0: Welcome back to Vicarious Living. I am here with Pat and the mascot dog.
1: Hello dog, hello Brian, hello listeners.
0: Hello listeners. This week we want to kick it off with housekeeping. Housekeeping 1, our Gmail. Contact info. Give it out, Pat.
1: VicariousLivingPod at gmail.com
0: VicariousLivingPod at gmail.com and our Instagram handle
1: VicariousLivingPod Cast Podcast
0: Get at us, DM us, slide in. So we have to kick it off with housekeeping on our contact information because we have been contacted this week. Oh yeah. Now what we have to do is we have to get into a mailbag from the listeners.
1: Yeah, here's a brand new segment because we have been contacted, we do have mail.
0: We're fucking right now, I'm Tom Hanks and you're Meg Ryan or vice versa and you've got mail.
1: Okay, I was more thinking... (laughs) I feel like you're Jody Foster, and yeah. I'm Matt McConaughey in contact, or Tom Hanks. Either way, we got mail, so. <laughs> okay, we've
0: got mail. So, let's get into, who did we get mail from this right, week? So we got our, Lauren. Our first
1: writer uh, is from Henry M. from Walnut Hills. Oh, hello he says, Henry M. What up, VL boys? Two exclamations. Long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> I've noticed that you guys often talk about how certain things test in the television world. And you've discussed how a made and various leather body accessories didn't test for shit. Mm-hmm. As someone not familiar with the telecom world, could you tell me a little more about this testing process? Do they survey a special audience or something? Reach out to the youth reaction or what? Thank you guys. Love the show. I really appreciate everything you guys are doing for the kids out there. Sincerely.
0: That sounds like a kid. That sounds like a kid in a high school. Yeah, Well, we think that's that's who's reaching out to us from Walnut Hills, I feel Henry like it M. Could
1: be straight from the straight from the kids. He also says, "P.S. If you're ever in Walnut Hills, we should grab a beer sometime." I swear I'm cool. Well, now so I am don't. He, when will we ever be we in Walnut some, Hills? Should we get some beers with with high school kid or? Look,
0: high school kid Henry M. We really appreciate the email, but there's no way we're ever gonna get a beer with you in Walnut Hills. Sorry that creeps us out
1: but keep listening and keep telling your friends about the show and we will give you an answer
0: yeah so henry m good good question i think what they do is i think there's multiple different processes i think first and foremost you have to sell it to the network so you you that's what we were talking about you get a pilot together you film a pilot it's months before it would ever air before the show airs and you send it to the network and then you get all these lame-ass notes and that's probably where Pete Berg is getting his, his note notes about, oh, you know what? There's not enough drama in this football game in the pilot episode. It's got to end on a Hail Mary. And then, you know, it keeps happening where every game's got to go down to the wire. I think the second process is after it gets greenlit, I think it goes to like a focus group. And then the focus group, which is like 10 random people that get paid $30 to go sit in a room and they watch an episode... And then they tell you what tests well, like what they really liked and what they didn't like.
1: I've actually heard, they'll do like a questionnaire after it, but I've actually heard like while they're watching the show and some of these, they'll actually have a physical dial where they just instruct them, if you like something, turn it left. If you dislike it, turn it right. And so as they're watching the show, they're like interacting with this dial and they can see obviously when Riggins is on the screen, it spikes, (laughs) just grinding it to the right. And then like... You know, towards the end, if maybe there's not, I don't know, if there's not like a Hail Mary play, they're like, ooh, a little left because it's weak. Honestly. That
0: game ended twenty four ten. Dial all the way down to yeah, zero. But I,
1: it sounds really weird and fucked out, but I think they actually do have a dial in the testing room.
0: No, I can confirm that. So, Henry M., that's the answer to your question, is there's multiple focus group and then giving it to the network and just constantly receiving notes. And so, like, I think what happened is they do the pilot on the OC that he was talking about. Jimmy Cooper has a dog and then like they talk to the people, and it's like, who cares about having a dog who gives a shit? They kill the dog off, euthanize it yeah. immediately.
1: Either, that might have even been just like having this dog on set is like a hassle. Now we have to have a dog person and, and all that stuff.
0: God, this just reminds me, though. Thanks, th- So thanks for reaching out, Henry M. Yeah. Maybe we'll get a beer with you sometime when We're, you're 21.
1: Really appreciate the opportunity to Completely let us bullshit on that one. Thank yeah, you. keep
0: sending us emails. I do want to go on a side tangent there, real quick. Sure. Because I'm sure the kids, they, they, they love the side tangents. Mm-hmm. That's the mascot, and he's a little unruly right now. He's he turning will,
1: his dial to the right. You he will tell. be
0: punished. He's trying to get on this fucking podcast. Um, I would I, I do want to say that I have been part of uh <laughs> Um, I gotta say, I have been part of a, I don't know if it was a focus group, but I was in a bunch of psychology classes in college and what they would do is, is they would have you like, if you did an experiment, they'd pay you like 20 bucks. So that was always like fucking gold for getting another 30 pack, two thirty packs of Keystone so Lights say, in college. 20
1: bucks is like a week's worth of living.
0: Yeah. And so I remember this one time I, they, it was I had to go do a test. It was like psychology test. You watch a video and then you just put, you put when you're interested and when you're not interested, kind of like you're talking about with a dial, except it was for watching porn. And And I I didn't, I didn't know that.
1: Were you watching porn in the test?
0: Yeah, I didn't. It was, you would go into a small room by yourself and sit on this little like recliner and then they would have something on the TV. I had done three or four of them. Usually it's just some stupid like movie or whatever. Then one time it was actually porn.
1: Obvious question, was it hardcore porn?
0: Hardcore is fuck. Wow. And I, I recall the the porn star was Vicky Vett. I even knew who was in it. It was Miss Vett. <laughs> <laughs> but did you note that? I, I didn't note that, but I just remembered I didn't know what to do on turning the dial. I was sitting there like, when do I turn it up? Like So then I was just sitting there in the experiment like I gotta move the dial, so I guess like when it just shows her, I would turn it up, cause like I didn't want them to think
1: I was in the dudes. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: like when it was on her, I was like, okay, they'll they'll gauge that. Every time it, it does a, a shot on her, I turn the dial up, and then when it goes to a shot on like the dudes undercarriage, I'm just gonna turn the dial down. Like, I no, I don't like that.
1: that. I feel like I just would have went real weird with it. That's the opportunity. Yeah. Is it anonymous?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Okay, second email.
1: All right, second email is from a Lauren S. Thank you, Lauren S. Yes, uh, Denver, Colorado, I believe. Uh, yes, Lauren S. from Denver. She says, I would like to disagree with the comment about BD going to be a hardcore dad. I know him personally and have spent time with him and Max. Max is Brian's dog.
0: He's the dog who won't shut the fuck up.
1: BD is, Ma- BD is Max's bitch and, will do, and he will do the same for his kids.
0: Thank you, Lauren S., for having total confidence that I am going to be a bitch
1: in <laughs> total, my life. <laughs> total pushover with the kids. I feel like you're probably right, Lauren S. He's all talk when he's shitting on Sandy Cohen from the OC. But really, he's just going to roll over.
0: We love the feedback, Lauren S., and we appreciate you uh, calling me a bitch. We do really appreciate that. I do want to say in that email, she also said that she wants it mentioned that we, this podcast, the Vicarious Living Podcast, Mm-hmm. Was single-handedly the reason that she went and watched all four seasons of The O.C. in like a two-week time period.
1: Wow. That's awesome.
0: We were the catalyst behind that. And that is exactly all we need to keep the fucking coal in this engine. Yeah. You know?
1: That's the reason we did this. That's uh, really validating to hear.
0: Yeah. What was her second email?
1: Um She also sent an email um, on our last episode. You were... Uh, you were complaining about how you couldn't find a Tim Riggin's jacket. Yeah. Your whole life you've been searching for a Tim Riggin's jacket which is a jean jacket with like a wool collar. Sherpa and uh, she just sent you a link because obviously there's plenty of them on the internet so she sent a link to a really nice looking jacket on Amazon for How much is that? 75.99. So that's I worth it. I feel like you could make your dream come true right there. So thank you, Lauren S. Thank those. you
0: for the, the jacket send over. I do want to buy one of those because for one of our Instagram pictures, I do need to be in that jacket. That's a given.
1: Yeah, I would say. And yeah, thank you for backing me up on that because he was a simple Google search away the whole time. It's the <laughs> internet, Brian. Come on. If you want the jacket that bad... Yeah, I guess Lauren Lauren has a spoon feed you, but you're going to look cool in that jacket.
0: Thank you, Lauren S., for the great feedback, and thank you, Henry M. We'll have a beer with you never. Okay, so should we get back into Friday Night Lights? Let's do it. Diving back on in. We are going to do two episodes tonight. Second episode, which is Eyes Wide Open of Season 1, and the third episode, which is Wind Sprints. So we left off after the pilot episode and the last episode it was we were really just familiarizing ourselves with the characters we wanted to give context and we wanted to familiarize ourselves with the kids of dylan texas we did that now we're getting into the juice and the main thing that's happening right now is there's just this aftermath um from jason street being paralyzed and having no legs in the hospital
1: I think you pointed this out during the show or watching it, but everybody in town, like all the characters are kind of handling it in their own different way, and it's taken us down a bunch of paths. It's, yeah. Everywhere from, like, his girlfriend Lila's world is crumbling, his best friend has just is confused about life because of it, all the way down to Buddy Garrity, who's just concerned about who the starting quarterback is going to be and what they're going to do next Friday. It's
0: interesting because I wrote, I was going to wait to get a little deep, but... It, you led us there organically and i'm going to fucking take Life's that big Life's
1: to sure to stay in the shadow oh, line wait in with me bro <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah so i'll get deep cuz i wrote them all out you already listed some of them i didn't put buddy garrity on there but i listed them out on like how it ties to the five stages of grief mm-hmm. you know so with jason street it's like this traumatic injury that's shaken the whole like the constructs of the whole town of dillon texas like this guy was like A lot of eggs in this one quarterback's (laughs) basket. Jesus Christ. Like fucking everyone had all their eggs in his basket. Like the local businesses. It's like LeBron James was living in Dillon, Texas. And everything centers around him. But so you have Lila. Her way of dealing with it is like staying positive. So it's kind of like you you don't accept the ramifications of what could happen. All you're thinking about is like rose colored glasses and how it's going to all be okay. It's all going to be good. Then you have Smash, who like, he takes it in a way of like, oh, our leader went down. I got to step up. I got to step up and be the leader. And he's just not. He's not an organic leader. He doesn't like, he doesn't know how to, he's arrogant. He's an idiot. He doesn't know how to do it. No one wants to follow him. So he's not a real natural born leader. Then you have Jason's like... The opposite of positive. He's all negative. He just doesn't even want to He's like, I don't have legs. Like he's getting into fights with everyone. Like, stop telling me it's going to be all good. My legs are fucking done. Like I'm never going to walk again. I'm a paraplegic for the rest of my life. Stop telling me it's all going to be okay. Then you have Tyra who like, she goes into the anger level of the whole five stages of grief she just gets angry when the girls are like these random girls are crying about it at that diner she's like hey shut the fuck up you didn't even know this guy shut the fuck up like you don't get to cry about it shut up then you have tim riggins and his is like the classic deflect like just shut it all out don't talk about it i'm not gonna go to the hospital and visit jason street my best friend
1: we also find out that he's dealing with like a heavy amount of guilt over it
0: all. I know. Let's wait on, let's wait to fully dive into him because that becomes like in the third episode of Wind Sprints, that becomes like the through line of the whole episode is Tim just, he can't, you feel it, what he's going through. Like, it's not like he doesn't love Street. He's doing this because he actually loves him more than anyone else. And it's like we were talking about in the last episode. This is why I was saying, I don't think he's riding his coattails. I really think his whole world is shattered. He doesn't know what to do. In his mind, this guy went on, he goes on, he's successful. And so like his mind just cannot accept that he's not going to be, you know, it's like, you can't accept it. But okay, so yeah, that's, that, that's sort of like how everyone's handling it. What else is going on? I put here that they're they're trying to get mad all caught up with the offense. I thought that was pretty realistic.
1: Yeah, he's drinking through the firehouse. Not only does he have to have all the pressure of being QB one now, but he has to basically learn the playbook. Uh yeah, so he doesn't know the plays at all and he has to deal with all the pressure. On top of that, he works a job. Yeah. It, it would be it would be impossible to be in high school, do your homework. Dad's gone. Dad's gone, so you're taking care of your grandma. And he's playing football, and he's a starting quarterback, and he has a job. I don't, I don't even know how that math works.
0: He doesn't out. even have a girl at this point. And yeah. that does happen. Oh, it happens and big time. You had but... a, <laughs> yeah,
1: I remember. Yeah, you had a girlfriend on top of that. Does the kid sleep? I
0: don't think. I don't hurry. think, I don't think but I just want to bring up, as we're talking about the, a girl situation, it does eventually happen, and it kind of starts to, there's a seed that's starting to be sprinkled into the earth here a little bit on these first couple episodes of him and Julie Taylor kind of interacting a little bit every is, once is, Was, in was a it
1: while. the first time they talked?
0: They did make sure that their, like, sexual tension interactions happened before Street got hurt. So I think it actually happened in oh. a pilot episode where she's like, hey, Matt, and he's like, Looking at her like, oh my god, I don't, even, I can't even speak. You're so pretty, I can't even speak.
1: Okay, I like that. That's good because it, it makes you, it lets you know that Julie's not like really like a it's genuine. Dancer. Yeah, like it's some of genuine. The people in this in this town. Yeah. So yeah, yeah we she met, was with him before the money.
0: We should have called that out on that first episode that she, they have a little seed being planted on their sexual tension of brewing. So after they have Matt go, learning the offense, they have a bunch of practices. Then they're showing Riggins, as we were talking about. And he's just like staying in the film room and he's just replaying the Jason Street injury over and over again. And he just keeps playing it, keeps playing it, keeps playing it in the darkness. And God, it's fucked up. It's so fucked up. And and he was also kind of like holding back tears, kind of crying. And it reminded me like that is the number one thing that is my weakness. There's always movies on TV and like, you know... Anna's always crying at like anything on TV, people crying, she she always really cries if it's old people crying. I old my,
1: people old people crying gets me.
0: It's pretty sad, but the one thing that gets me is tough dudes fighting tears. Mm. Like you can tell they're just not comfortable showing emotions. Their whole thing is being tough and never giving in and never like showing their emotion or showing any weakness, quote unquote. So whenever you see, like, a dude, like, I, I have seen these interviews with, like, Mike Tyson fighting back tears on YouTube, trying to talk about, like, talking about his first trainer. So that's the shit that always gets me. I want to put some clips in, um, because it, just so you get a sense of, like, the ramifications of how fucked up Riggins is from, from all of these, like, different emotions he's feeling, he's, like, projecting all of his emotions onto everyone else. He's, like, in that diner, he gets into that fight with Smash. Here's the clip.
2: Just because the street went down don't mean we just stopped playing. Look, everybody, get behind the Smash, and we won't miss a beat, baby. Tim, no. am not do I'm saying we need to hit the weight room tomorrow, huh? You gotta step
0: it up. Look, you gotta run your rocks. Hey, what's up, Rick?
2: Get up. What? You're sitting in the Street's booth. Get up. What you talking about, man? You heard what I said. Why
0: don't you go home and sleep at all for it off, Rig? Be on time at practice for a change.
2: You're right. You guys enjoy the rest of your evening, okay? Hey,
0: smile, Rig. God don't like ugly. Hey. <laughs> Projecting it onto everyone else, and then there's then there's another I want to play another one here where it's at practice where he's still talking shit to Smash, and then there's this scene.
2: No. I see my granddaddy make better blocks. playing check, you could run as fast as you talk. We probably score every play. Look, you got fact. you got something to say to me? You need to start getting behind my blocks right behind me. I
0: can't keep doing all this. using He's struggling. He's, at, he's pissed. He's, he's having a tough time. He's having a tough time. Okay. Let's get off of that. So, I do want to toss in a fun fact. I, I want to start tossing in like one little dabble of like a fun fact of the week. And Ooh, I want to toss in. Throw it right in. Tim Riggins, did you know he was drunk when he did his audition for the Tim Riggins role?
1: Really? With Peeper? Yeah. He, he, did he get drunk on purpose and go into the thing? Or did they get him drunk to see what he'd be like?
0: So it was conflicting reports. The, the one thing I, I saw said he got drunk for the audition. The other ones I saw said he just drank a few beers before the audition the audition, and then a couple during the audition because it was that scene where he says Texas forever that we covered last week.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah.
0: And he wanted it to feel like he was sitting in a lawn chair with a blanket wrapped around his shoulders at night with his friends around a bonfire, and he was drinking beer. So he said he he drank like two beers before he did the scene with Pete Burke, and then he opened one up and chugged one at the very beginning of the audition when he sat down, and then he ch- he opened another one and was drinking it when he was like, Texas forever.
1: Is he method like that? It's pretty awesome. Dude, he's prime method like that. I love that scene, by the way, even though it's in the last episode and we're we're moving forward. Um, but the whole first episode, you don't really get any personality out of him at all until he's drinking. And then he's like, he's holding court and he's like making toasts. It was just kind of, it was kind of perfect for his character.
0: Yeah. Cause he's just kind of like a brooding dude who, who kind of keeps to himself a lot. But then when he starts drinking, he becomes like a fun loving yeah. kind of guy. But it's
1: clear that everybody thinks he's super cool. And it's just that he only exposes cool stuff when he's probably when he's most comfortable, which is when he's drunk.
0: I wonder if like it, because he got drunk in that interview, Pete Berg was like, this is the guy.
1: I think as soon as he walked in, th- just the vibe coming off him. Mm-hmm. He, I'm assuming he wore full football uniform, <laughs> like full football shoulder pads and helmet. <laughs>
0: yeah, kind of like we did today at Dick's okay. Sporting Goods.
1: Yeah, full disclosure, um, if you do follow us on our Instagram account, you'll see a, a picture of us in full gear. Full gear. Um, and a little behind the scenes, we did go to a Dick's Sporting Goods today and, yep. and take that picture.
0: We sure did. So, so go to us on Instagram, by Vicarious Living Podcast, and check it out. We, uh, it really shows you how sweet 30-year-olds can still look in
1: pads. Yeah, I was feeling it. I wanted, I wanted to strap them up right then and there. But if you just want a little mental image, picture two 30-year-old dudes in a Dick's Sporting Goods trying on the football equipment.
0: Yeah, we were trying on the football equipment. We also realized they didn't have adult gear. So we were wearing like really large, like youth (laughs) helmets and shoulder pads. (laughs) Because again, why would any adults, if you're an adult wearing full pads and helmet, you're just in the NFL. Yeah. So
1: like
0: there's no need for dicks to make the gear. Okay. I want to move here. I want to zag a little bit. zigging, zagging. I want to zag to, um, I was thinking while I was watching this. Texas is kind of framed up like a throwback to the early 1900s with the dynamics, the social constructs of like male to female interactions, their place in society.
1: Are you saying is this specific to male and female relationships or just a lot of things?
0: I think it's a lot of things, but what really made it stick home for me was the male to female dynamics and how like society is structured in Texas. It's kinda like their own version of noopsies from the O. C is like <sighs> all the football wives are just going to gossip with Tammy Taylor at her house. Like before games or like middle of the week they 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 drink probably Pinot Grigio or Sav Blanc.
1: Oh definitely a Sav Blanc.
0: Sav Blanc and they're just sitting around and they're just, they're, they're not talking about anything going on in their lives. It's just about what's going on in their husband's lives and in the, in the city of Dillon, nothing is like, none of them have anything going on. They're all stay at home moms and they're all just talking about their husbands.
1: Yeah. It's definitely, it definitely feels like a throwback. I wonder if that's like actually a small town thing and how that actually goes down.
0: I don't know. But then the, it could be a small town thing or it just could be like, I don't know if Texas is like that. But it was also true for the men, except they were all getting together at Applebee's. And it was like, <laughs> thinking back to like the early 1900s, like the, the leaders of the society or even back further to they like...
1: put on their top hats and meet at Applebee's. Yeah,
0: and discuss like what's going to happen. Like how are we going to do things? How are we going to run the city? How are we going <laughs> to do it all? Because even the mayor was there. <laughs> yeah. The mayor was there with all the fucking
1: high school yeah. football coaches. I think of a lot of it is... I. I, I must just be a small town thing, because the other thing to your point about it, the uh, male and female dynamic being weird, the fact that all of the starting players get a girl assigned to them and rally they, like, girl. a rally girl, and they like take care of them and like make them baked goods, yeah, That seemed pretty fucked out. I don't, I don't know if that actually happens. Does that?
0: I don't know. I feel like a 2000- We went to an all male high school, so we wouldn't know. What if
1: we had a rally boy? Like, <laughs> <laughs> if we were a starter on the football team, rally boy, you know, like, come the over sophomore here. sophomore <laughs> assigned you, and he was your rally boy, and <laughs> get the fuck over here, rally boy. Where's my brownies? Yeah, I don't feel like a 2019 girl is gonna be down with being like a rally girl and baking cupcakes for the starting QB.
0: Yeah, it's kind of weird. Maybe
1: it's a Dillon Texas thing. Who knows?
0: I don't know, but kids kids get at us, kids. I mean kids let us know. Is that how if the,
1: You're a Rally Boy. Let we need let the co ed
0: high school kids to get mm-hmm. at us. Cause we don't have the perspective going to an all-male high school. We need the co-ed kids get at us and let us know is society actually structured that way at co ed high schools? Especially in small towns. Um, okay. The the other thing I had down here after after they had some of those scenes about, you know, old timey feel. There's just a lot of scenes with Jason Street being at the doctor and stuff, and and they're still trying to figure out, like, can this be salvaged? Can he walk again? And I was thinking, like, god damn, dude. Is it the worst silver lining of all time for the doctor to tell you, like, hey, hey, good news, man. You will have the ability to get full functionality out of your arms and hands.
1: Hey, you're one of the lucky ones. Yeah fuck
0: like you're one of the lucky ones you're not all going like going all christopher reeves on us where you literally have you from your neck down you can't feel it's only from your waist down
1: i always think about that i feel like the hardest part about being a doctor like you would have to know all the science and all the all that kind of stuff but i feel like as the doctor you're always the guy that needs to deliver either like probably a lot of bad news all the time yeah and you have to like I couldn't it's do like it. It's like you're delivering this news that literally is the worst moment of people's lives probably 10 to 15 times a day.
0: I mean, I would honestly say that if you're a doctor, I feel like 50% of what the skill set that you have in your repertoire is that you have a good bedside manner. Yeah. And that you know how to deliver news in a very specific way because fuck. Like goddamn. I mean, I, I don't I don't know how you tell a kid who's got his whole life in front of him and his parents who are sitting there crying that their kid's never going to fucking walk again, their 18-year-old like, kid.
1: Like you, you, you do a little bit of the good news. Yeah. I'm um, sorry you have cancer, but it's the good kind. It's the good kind of cancer. What's, so, What's good kind of cancer? There's not no Skin cancer? <laughs> there's no good cancer. But yeah, I, I always think that would be brutal. Yeah. Shout um, out to the doctors out there listening.
0: Shout out. Hey, shout out to the doctors. Shout out to all the kids who are aspiring to be doctors. That's yeah. hero work. So way to go, kids. Let's light, let's lighten it up, though. Let's get out of the doctor's office and out of the grim and get into Coach T mm. and his inspiration.
1: He was boosting me up this whole episode, I'll tell you that much. So Coach
0: T's got to do what he does best, and that's inspire the kids. And so what Coach T's doing, he's like, look, chips are stacked against us. Our fucking backs against a fucking wall. What do we do when our back's against a wall? We call our way back out.
2: Yeah. Call our way back out.
0: Because we're Panthers. Because we're Panthers. Still in peace. He
1: is burning at both ends because not only does he have the uh, the emotional weight of just having one of his favorite players get injured that hardcore and having to like break all that news to the team, I feel like the majority of the town doesn't really give a shit about that part. They just want them to win football games. Immediately, <sighs> it's like all the pressure's on him. But he can't... Nobody cares. Like, oh, shit, our star quarterback got hurt, I guess. Man, if we win this season, that's going to be... Man, that'll be lucky. It's just like, all right, well, we still have to win, obviously. So how are you going to fucking make that work?
0: But, dude, that's just sports. That's what you do as fans for anything. I mean, if if your team, if your star player goes down, it's like next man up. Like, that's the mindset. It sucks, but if you're the coach, you can't focus on it. Like, all you can do, it's your job to, like, get them fucking ready.
1: But like let's say at the beginning of the next football season the Bengals Andy Dalton goes down with an injury. I'd love that. We're like that'd be Shit, amazing. Our season's fucked. What are we going to do? No uh, no
0: I'd be like thank god I'm now just, we actually have ki- a chance. I'm
1: just kidding. That's a horrible example.
0: That is horrible. It would be like if we actually had a good quarterback and like we had Aaron Rodgers and he led us all the way there, and then he fucking tears his Achilles tendon right. in the last game of the season. Or it's it'd like, be like fucking now. It's what? like
1: uh, when um, Carson Wentz went out for the Eagles when they won the Super Bowl. Yeah. and the, He yeah. went out, so all the Eagles fans were like, fuck, we are going to win the Super Bowl this year. And then the fact that his backup actually was pretty fucking good yep. was just like icing on the cake, and nobody really expected that to happen. He came But everybody in and, everybody and Dylan is like, all right, coach, what are you going to do now? But that was Doug Peterson's job. That was Doug Peterson's job yeah. to
0: just be like, look, Nick Foles, get your ass off the fucking bench, a bitch. tough
1: spot to be in. Get the fuck up,
0: kids. Get the fuck up, kids. Nick, kid, get up and get in the game. Um, so here's some Coach T inspiration on Matt Saracen, who he's got to replace uh, Jason Street. Here it is.
2: Your teammates are going to need to hear you.
1: You call the play. 22 Rock. I can't hear you. 22 I can't 20, hear you. 22 this I mean, you're QB1 of the Dillon Panthers. Your teammates, if they can hear you, they will believe in you. Now you let it out until it hurts. You understand me? 22! 22, 22 rocket! 44 Crossfire! Red, red, red! Who do you play for, Saracen? Dillon Panthers! How much do you want this? Oh, I how mean, much it do you want this? I want it! Then take
2: it! Again.
0: So I think what Coach T was doing there is it's like, dude, the only chance we fucking have is that everyone else in that huddle believes in you. Every You're the leader. You're the quarterback. You're the quarterback of the team. You're the fucking captain. You, if you don't have a voice and you're not like your volume isn't maxed out and you don't have like a commanding presence in the huddle, no one's going to buy into what you're selling. Saracen, no time to be a little bitch yeah. in the huddle.
1: That was awesome. He just took him out. Um, the scene that we were just listening to is he took him out on the field, turned on, like, piped in some crowd noise, turned the lights on, and it was just them two. And he was calling out plays and just getting them fired yeah. up. Yeah,
0: the crowd noise is so loud. It's, like, fucking ringing in your ears. These other ten people in the huddle, they have to feel your presence, they have to hear you, and they have to have confidence that, like, you are going to lead them like that's what he was doing second really quick clip here about coach t inspiration is right before they go out to that game here it is he goes up to saracen and he says this
2: let me ask you one question last friday night when you threw that pass
0: that that winning pass did you close your eyes no
1: sir my eyes were open sir Miles wide open. That's what I thought. Let's go play football.
2: Come
0: on. Mm. Mm. Fucking go. Let's fucking go. <sighs> Should we get to the game yet? Should we go to the game or... Because then they're going out to this game. Should we go to the game or do you want to do your song here?
1: Oh, yeah. I can talk about the song. Did, uh, <laughs> Let's do your
0: song. Let's do your song here before we get into that actual game. Because this is where that second episode ends. And they're playing, they're playing this song. And then the game doesn't... You don't really see what happens in the game until the f- beginning of episode three, Wind Sprints. So let's do your song thing here.
1: Yeah, As uh, so as the first episode is ending, I forget exactly how it ends, but it, it's right before they're about to play the game.
0: Should I play the song here while you're doing this? Yeah.
1: Okay, here it is. <laughs> so right at the end of the first episode, you think they're about to play the game, and then... They start the the next This song's playing this song starts playing as the the episode's ending And it's called Devil Town Originally written by Daniel Johnson And performed in this episode by Tony Luca
0: It was written for the show?
1: No, so it was written back in like the 90s by this guy named Daniel Johnson
0: it's a great song. It's an awesome song. It what was the totally tidbit that you there. had about it? The
1: fun oh, fact so, about it? Yeah. So um, it's performed by Tony Luca. Fun fact about Tony Luca is that he was the third place finisher on season two of The Voice. Did you know that? Oh, yeah. The little show I like to call The Voice. Wow.
0: Yeah. Holy shit! I didn't huh. know that went back as far as like 2006. Yeah. The Voice? Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe he did it. Maybe he did it after. I could be. Did he get, um, do this song and then go on The Voice as like an already kind of successful musician?
1: Uh, but I, I guess a little bit more of the backstory is uh, originally while the editor was putting together this episode, um, he was like editing it, all the pieces, and he just put as a placeholder the song Devil Town, written by Daniel Johnson, but he put in a version by Bright Eyes.
0: Oh, Bright Eyes is pretty famous.
1: Yeah, and so he's like, oh, he's like, I'm just going to put this in as a placeholder. But Bright Eyes said no. They didn't want to put their song in the show.
0: Why would you ever say no? I don't know. It's just free fucking money. I don't know. like to, for I never understand that like the, the musicians or artists who who deny just like, hey, we'll give you fifty grand mm-hmm. to let us put your song in this show. You do no
1: work. You already made the song. We just give you a check for fifty grand. It doesn't make any sense to me. I guess like artistic integrity or some lame shit. I don't lame. know. Lame. But anyways, so what happened is they uh, hired Tony Luca to record the song.
0: Then he just re-recorded it.
1: Yeah. So They reached out to, I guess, Daniel Johnson, the, the writer. Is that
0: the voice guy? Who's the voice guy? Tony Luca. That guy, just looked it up, voice 2011. So that means that he made this song, and then five years later... It was on
1: The Voice?
2: That's crazy.
0: That <laughs> kind of annoys me, because... It's like you really think that all the people on these like American Idol and The Voice and all these shows are amateurs, but it's like if you've written and produced and <laughs> star- like made a song that starred on a fucking hit teen drama TV show, I don't know how amateur you are.
1: Yeah, I don't know, but I guess they reached out to the record label um, that originally had that song. They're like, all right, who else can do this? And they found this guy Tony. Well, he Tony, singer songwriter guy at the time future he'd be on The Voice not winning (laughs) winning. but yeah Yeah. so fun fact about the version of Deviltown in this show is it was custom recorded for Friday Night Lights because Bright Eyes I guess are kind of divas
0: man now I have a couple Bright Eyes songs on my phone and now I'm thinking about deleting them off taking a dump all over Bright Eyes I like Bright
1: Eyes too but I guess they're too cool for Friday Night Lights so that definitely knocks them down a peg or two in my eyes Fuck you, bright eyes. Okay, cool.
0: After that, that song is the transition into episode three. That's the bridge. Now we get into wind sprints, which is episode three. We get into the game. So the only thing I want to say about that game, because I'm I'm not going to bog it down with football talk on this episode. I don't think there was too much that was like jumping out at us football wise. But... Saracen's not the re. They lose the game, and Saracen is not the reason why they lose. That that's the.
1: They just took a loss.
0: It's the interesting dynamic is it's kind of like this thing of star quarterback goes down, the whole city is like in a funk, in a depression, especially the team. And you would think that everyone keeps thinking Saracen's going to be the problem. We had this number one QB, best quarterback that this Notre Dame recruits ever seen in his whole fucking life. Everyone thinks, oh, it's the quarterback position that's the problem. He is not the reason they lose. They lose because Smash sucks dick. They lose because Tim's in a fucking funk. Their defense is like walking in quicksand. No one can get their head out of their ass with this like cloud that's over the city. Except Saracen, who's actually... Starting to show us the Matt Saracen heart.
1: Mm-hmm. Got a little promise.
0: He's taken the, the O-line's not blocking at all. He's like getting crushed on every single play. Every single time he drops back, he gets hammered. And end of this game, he drops back for a pass. Pocket breaks down per usual in this game. The O-line blows. And then he runs like he's, he's breaking all these tackles, makes it all the way down to the goal line, and like just comes up short for a loss. And they show him after the game in the locker room. He's like, his face is all bloody. He's got blood coming down his the, the left side of his face. Coach T comes up and he's like, hey, Matt, good game. And then he just rips everyone else for fucking sucking. There was another funny thing after this game where I just want to throw a clip in here of Billy Riggins post-game pep talk to Tim <laughs> Billy Riggins is the best. He play, He's such a good character. I'd say 90% of the time they show him, he's got a dip in. Yeah. And it's just the best.
1: <laughs> he's cool as shit.
0: Here's Billy Riggins giving a pep talk to Tim.
2: It ain't hard, Tim. I mean, hell, it's not rocket science. You beat the living dog snot out of those guys. You win the game. And then you go out and you get yourself a little piece of tail. What part of that equation don't you understand? You guys just bent over and grabbed your ankles. You shamed your good name. Yeah, I feel really awful about that. Hi, is Tim here? Uh, no.
1: Thanks a lot for the pep talk, Billy.
0: Another interesting thing, though, in that clip is you get another taste of Lila trying to get Tim to go see Jason in the hospital.
1: Yeah, she really wants him to get in there. I mean,
0: I don't... Okay, here's the thing. I gotta transition now. I, last episode, said that I was gonna transition my MCITW of the Week into LGITW of the Week, but then I was thinking about it, and because I hate Lila Gary so right,
1: much. Right, right, right.
0: But then I was thinking about it, and I'm like, you know what? I don't want Marissa Cooper and her fucking horribleness to just be forgotten about. And... She's the catalyst. She's the poster child for what sucks in some of these characters on teen drama TV shows. And I don't want her to ever fucking be forgotten about. So I'm not going to change it to the LGIT whatever of the week. So with that said, we're going to keep it as the MCITW of the week. We're going to call it the Marissa Cooper is the worst of the week award. And it's going to constantly just be a reminder that we need to pay homage is it homage or homage?
1: Um, I feel like you go either way on it. We'll go. We'll go uh, homage. For the
0: we want to pay tribute to the worst fucking bitch of all time, the stupidest fucking bitch of all time, Marissa Cooper, the dumbest lady we've ever ever seen in our lives. She fucking sucks. And who is this brought to you by? This is brought to you by our fine sponsors at Wicklow Wear. W-I-C-K, Be free and explore. Get all your outdoor gear at Wickloware.com. Type in promo code VL at checkout. Get 10% off your order for all your outdoor gear. Okay, who am I going to give it to this week?
1: Oh, you gotta give it to the guy at the diner. (laughs) Yeah. This is going to this guy at the diner. Just the worst. This guy is the worst. He is
0: the biggest fucking douche I've ever seen in my life. This guy, he's, a little context, Julie Taylor, um, Coach T's
1: 16-year-old daughter. S- super hot in season three.
0: So hot in season three. God damn is she hot in season three. They're going out to like a dairy queen. It's called Mr. Freeze. Mm-hmm. They're going there for a Friday night dinner. <laughs> and they're just picking up dinner to go, bringing home to the family. Going to eat it as a family with Tammy T. Mm-hmm. As they're there, there's just this fucking guy who's like 54 years old uh probably 235
1: oh dude he's pushing 300 fat
0: fat as fuck fuck. he's got food in his goatee he's got this weird ass goatee he's a sloppy dude dude you can tell he probably hasn't had sex in like 26 years like fuck i mean he's pathetic as shit he's he's just there at this dairy queen on friday night eating dinner in the restaurant by himself i'd be getting drunk if i was that fat and 55 and like had a sloppy as fuck i'd just be getting drunk every night by myself in my fucking lame-ass apartment
1: no doubt so
0: he's there and he his okay we just gotta play this clip here it is
2: so you're eric taylor's girl right yeah yeah i was just uh wondering if y'all had started packing yet. uh things can get real unpleasant around here when you lose can i help you I was just telling her how it works around here when you lose football games.
0: If you got a problem, you can talk to me. You don't have to talk to my daughter about
2: it. I do have a problem. I have a problem with you pissing our season away, calling them dumbass plays.
0: You know, I'm here with my daughter, you know? So I'm just gonna walk away right now. That's really great of you, though. I sure appreciate that. Come on, let's go. Get
2: a little guts. See, that's why you ain't gonna never have one of these. All right. Don't listen to him. Don't listen to that. And you won't even finish out the year here, Taylor. You will not last one year.
0: What the fuck? Like, this guy's mode is, I'm going to go to this Dairy Queen and just start ripping on this girl? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Like, what the fuck, guy? Such a lame-ass loser. Like, god damn. Guy's pathetic as shit. It just makes me want to follow this guy and see what the rest of his life's like. Yeah. He's the absolute worst. I mean, how
0: long until he is masturbating with his own tears as lube after that interaction, do you think, well, that night?
1: we got to assume he lives within five minutes of that so kind fast of food restaurant.
0: But he's not walking. He's driving he's home. He's driving. Because he so doesn't exert... Let's
1: see. Probably he's going to finish down the rest of his greasy burger, probably not wipe the shit out of his goatee, leave that there.
0: Start crying on the drive home and then use probably, those yeah, tears... Walk
1: in the door, got the tears going, sit down on a couch, and then just start...
0: Immediately start wailing away on himself, feverishly.
1: Yeah, I would say. So probably to yeah. answer your question, about seven minutes.
0: Seven minutes. He's feverishly masturbating seven minutes after. He's douches out harder than I've ever seen.
1: Fuck that guy. I don't know if it's that... Well, maybe we were just feeling protective of Julie Taylor, or we just realized that that guy was just so fucking out of line... I think what he we was feeling for coach because, like, what are you going to do in this situation? You're the coach. Like, you're going to beat the shit out of this old guy in the in the restaurant. Yeah, it's so weird. It's, fuck that guy. I'll tell you who handled it properly. Coach. Coach Taylor. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Coach T. He's the man. So be free and explore. Brought to you by Wickloware. Fuck that guy. Okay. So now we get into. It's just another fucking Tim being awesome moment when he breaks up with Tyra. Yep. Fuck, should we just play that clip?
1: Yeah, play the clip. Yeah. Well, first, well, first, let me lay out what he's doing. Okay. God, so fucking cool. Tim Riggins is so good at hanging out by himself. Oh, God, that's such a good point. Like, I, don't I know. know. I don't know if it's the fact that his best friend is now in the hospital or if he's just always hanging out by himself, but... He's so good at just being by himself, hanging out. Whether he's watching film by himself, doing bench press by himself, or in this case, he's just got a like a seven iron and he's hitting golf balls into a di- like into a like a gorge somewhere yeah. out in Texas.
0: Just like it, he just pulled his truck over at the at the side on the side of the road, and yeah. he's just like he's just drinking by himself, and then taking those empty beer cans with a seven iron and just hitting them into like just some like um. So, I don't want to say, I don't know if it's Gorge or um, it's like, a, a, like a, big a quarry. yeah It's like a quarry.
1: Like but it's just like such a good way to spend some time. Like when I'm hanging out by myself, it's usually like I'm on my computer, I'm watching Netflix, I'm just like vegging, yeah, not interesting at all. Like, Tim Riggins is fucking pulling his truck over, drinking beers, and just, like, hitting golf balls. And he hangs pans. out
0: so much better than anyone I know. He's so and it's,
1: fucking good at hanging out.
0: It's so much better than how Ryan Atwood hangs out. God, that fucking idiot. He couldn't hang out by himself for shit. He relaxed so horribly. And Tim just relaxes in such a cool way. Yep. So he's always getting fucked up and looking cool. So, this clip happens where Tyra pulls up. <laughs> Tim is still so fucked up from the street thing. So Tyra pulls up and then this this clip happens.
2: Hey, dumbass. He's gonna ignore me? Think I'll go away? That's what I keep hoping. But you don't seem to want to get the message. You know, you're such a big tough guy. You can't even go see Jason in the hospital. I mean, damn it, Tim. Grow a set, why don't you? Because we both know that's what this is all about. Hey, Tyra, how's Smash? Was it good? Did you have a nice time? Nothing happened. Not really. Besides, don't pretend like you haven't slept with half the rally girls. We sure do have something special here, Tyra. Yeah, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe I am wasting my time. Because you are just another mediocre football player who's gonna grow up to drink himself to death. Maybe we should just end this right now. See you around then. I am serious, Tim. Are you listening to me? If I get in that car right now, I'm never coming back. Do you understand? I get it. That's it? Breaking up for real, and that's all you have to say. That was great.
0: (laughs) We were talking about, as we were watching that, like, whenever we've been broken up with, which, I mean, what, once or twice us combined on how many times we've been broken up with?
1: A couple dozen times. A <laughs> couple <laughs> dozen, probably. Once but, you not start adding them up, really.
0: Yeah. I mean, here's the thing, though. None of us handled break getting broken up with nearly as cool as Tim just yeah, handled Tim that. Tim just does
1: it fucking flawlessly. Now, uh, play the clip of how we get broken up with. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: Okay. So, here's the clip. Here's the clip of this is... Tim just still being so fucked up and he's at practice and uh, he just, he he's so fucked up he takes his helmet off and he's like I'm, he, I don't even know if he says anything but he just leaves the practice and then when he leaves, you know, his star Coach T, his star football player, fullback Tim Riggins is just leaving, like he's quitting the team this is how Coach Taylor handles it
2: don't do it son don't do that don't do what I think you're about to do.
0: Don't do that. You don't want to do that, son. Don't.
1: That's how we handle it. Yeah, we should. We should definitely do the Tim Regan thing, kids. Kids, just, just be like Tim Regan's. Fucking, be cool, hanging out by yourself. Don't
0: beg. Don't beg, kids. When you're getting broken up with, don't beg. Don't beg like, oh my God, no. What can I do? Please, like, please don't leave. Please don't leave. What can I do? What can I do? How do you want me to act? Just tell me how you want me to act. I'll do it.
1: I guess. Sorry. That's what I would do if I was a mailman. Sorry, listeners. We just had a mailman on a cell phone call.
0: You know what, though? I think I would do that if I was a mailman. I would just put my headphones in and listen to the Vicarious Living podcast, or I'd just be talking on the phone to people as I'm delivering mail all day. I'd
1: be listening to the Vicarious Living podcast.
0: Anyways, kids, don't get broken up that way. Don't be pathetic as fuck. If you get broken up with, act like you don't give a shit. Just mm. act like you don't care. Okay. So, voodoo. Mm-hmm. We gotta fucking bring him up. Yep. Voodoo is what what Buddy Garrity who. I'm not going to get into Buddy Garrity on on this podcast, but I will as the season goes on because I have a man crush on him similar to the level of the man crush I had on Caleb Nickel. And I'm just starting to realize that old rich white guys really get me going <laughs> and it's like the I most evil old rich white guys that all of society hates and especially twitter really hates them i just really
1: like them <laughs> i i jumped on board with Cal because that was just good old-fashioned fun buddy garrity for me just does nothing we'll see if i can sway you okay i'm gonna I'll try. S- it. i'm gonna
0: spend this whole we'll try it out. friday night lights podcast podcast series uh, trying to convince you that Buddy Garrity is actually once you accept him for what he is he's actually just the fucking best and he's awesome and he's needed. He's needed.
1: Yeah, I think he's just a fat meddler. (laughs)
0: So, okay, voodoo. Voodoo, Buddy Garrity he brings in this guy, Voodoo and everyone's still fucked up on the street thing but Coach T now Coach T's like, he's buying in on Saracen. Yeah. He's like I'm going to get this kid, this kid, you know what, what he lacks in size and overall fucking athletic prowess and quarterback mechanics and arm strength, speed, athleticism, uh, dick size, (laughs) what he lacks in all these areas, you know where he does make up for it? Creativity. Creativity and heart. Heart. Fucking heart. And so Coach T is like, I can work with this. I can work with this kid, Matt S. The rest of the town, though, including Buddy Garrity's like, no, we need to bring in a ringer. We need to bring a ringer in from out of town. And it's this kid who's been displaced from New Orleans, Hurricane Katrina, it's this guy who doesn't have a house, let's go recruit him, fucking Voodoo Tatum.
1: By the way, the name, a little on the nose. Cool as fuck. I mean, he's from New Orleans, his name's Voodoo. That's pretty cool. I mean, yeah, it's a cool necktie for sure. Way to
0: go, Pete Burke, on on writing that uh, is making that guy sound like a badass because it does. It
1: does.
0: (laughs) Mission accomplished on that. Um, He brings voodoo into the fucking picture and they do get voodoo to be the uh, the quarterback, but the way they do it is classic reverse psychology. Mm -hmm. So you always see it. You always see it in TV shows. We always talk about this. How like in movies, if anyone's ever holding up a gun to someone's face and they go, do it, like shoot me, bitch, they never get shot.
1: That's a great survival tip.
0: Never. But if someone's like, no, no, don't do it, don't, don't shoot, don't shoot, don't shoot, pop, pop, pop.
1: Dead. Yeah. Dead, yeah. bitch. Oh, yeah. You always want to go through reverse psychology and pretty much. Put the gun in your mouth and tell them, shoot me. <laughs> <laughs> because they'll never do it. And same thing happens, kids, when you're trying to illegally recruit an out-of-state player for your football team. Yep. Don't just walk into a hotel room and immediately hand him the job. He's not going to be interested. You say, I don't hand out jobs in hotel rooms. Nope. I hand out starting football positions on the field. Yeah.
0: I don't hand them out here. In the Motel 6.
1: If it's one thing Coach T knows, it's inspiring kids. So like that was just child's play.
0: But you could tell they were like, hey, every fucking high school coach in in the lower half of the continental U.S. has has come into this Motel 6 and they've just been giving promises. He's going to be the starter. I'll give your dad a job. I'll just give your dad money. I'll literally give your mom a job. I will buy you guys a house. I'll buy you a car. And Coach T comes in there and he's like, you know what? Fuck all that you can come play with me on the Dylan Peas, and you can work your ass off to get a fucking starting spot. That's how you can get on the field, Voodoo. And so it works. But I just want to say, before we get to the end of this episode, I want to cover this whole thing in the rain. Because before we get to the end of this episode where Voodoo comes back into the picture, there is... Some more Coach T inspiration. Context, Coach T's at his house. He turns on the news. Smash and everyone, they're starting to say some shit. Like, it's the story. He, Coach T's starting to lose the team.
1: One of his players is literally on the news talking shit about him and yeah. the team he's like
0: <laughs> he's like Coach T I don't know like I just want him to win games and I don't know if he's the right man for the job and stuff like everyone start, it's like a mutiny on the coach and you know Coach T's going what do I gotta do He start the wheels start turning and he's like
1: calls up Mac calls up Mac he says get those boys in the field house right now get them it's in like line probably 9 or 10pm on a school night
0: yeah, might even—I don't even know if it's school night or Saturday night, but yeah, it's like nine ten. No, p.m. it's a school
1: night because they got a game Friday. They're getting ready for.
0: Oh yeah, so it must be a school night, and they calls up everyone on their flip phones in two thousand six or at their house. Their parents answer because they're in high school, and he's like, "Field house, twenty minutes. Meet there. Fucking time for motivation, kids." Mm-hmm. Brings them to the fucking field house.
1: Somehow it's, gets a bus together, which was a little far-fetched. It uh, starts
0: raining, and the dramatic sort of moment, you start to feel it. Mm-hmm. Whenever that rain starts happening, it's on. God, I was thinking when I was watching this scene, I'm like, I have severe love and admiration for scenes that happen in the rain. And I think a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. Like, my favorite, we covered it on our OC2 recap, Rainy which is there, Women.
1: That's my favorite uh, episode.
0: It just really makes it so dramatic. It really doesn't feel like that in real life when it's raining.
1: It's just kind of cold.
0: It's and annoying.
1: Cold cold. Every once in a,
0: no, every once in a while, if it rains... You just go out it just, and, you, and play music in slow motion?
1: No, I, if you've ever been trapped in the rain, there's a moment, like, right when it starts raining, we're like... Ugh, this sucks. I'm like getting kind of wet and it's a little uncomfortable. But then at a certain point when you're you're so wet in the rain that you literally can't be any more wet than you already are, where you just accept it and, and then you're things turn hot. awesome. Like we're like if you've ever been trapped in the rain and you just get drenched, at a certain point you know you're not gonna be dry anymore. And you just it's kind of like being at the pool. Yeah. Like you're just, I you're could see that. And it's freeing and things get awesome. It hasn't
0: happened to me much, but the way you're describing it I'm kinda of seeing it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so yeah.
0: They he's doing that and the rain's fucking coming down and he's like, the there's this mutiny happening and there's this very fortuitous dramatic rain that's coming down. I gotta sink the motivation yeah, from the mutiny <laughs> and the fucking rain all into one. I take him to this fucking field house and I make him just start running up this hill. This muddy hill in the rain. And we were it was interesting because we were like I don't think you have a plan if you're coach T much past that though. You're just like
1: Yeah, you're kinda of waiting for them to do something on their own to like make it stop.
0: Yeah, you're you're waiting for them to show show me something. I gotta see something, and I don't know what it is, but I gotta fucking see something because what we're doing is not working.
1: You know who starts it? Smash. Tim Riggins. No, Smash. I thought it was Riggins. No. I thought he said clear eyes. No,
0: thought, that was Smash. Oh, shit. Riggins like is kind of like just... You were saying it. He, it looks like he's just liking it. He's Yeah, he's, this, he's, is,
1: this, this is right in his wheelhouse.
0: He, he doesn't like, like the mental anguish of the whole street thing. It's weighing on him so much. And he doesn't like the mental thing. He would rather feel physical pain than the mental. He just
1: wants to suffer. And so when this happens, he's like, oh, fuck yeah, this is exactly what I need. I need to be running in the rain, in the mud. Like, if this was happening on a regular field, I wouldn't be into it. But the fact that it's like, he's like an outside-the-box guy. Like, it's raining. It's fucking 10 p.m. at night. Everybody's in their street clothes. We're running through this mud up this hill. And it's basically... It feels like uh, some kind of a hell scene. Yeah, he just loves it. It's up his alley. I feel like that exact moment—that's what made uh, Reagan's not quit the football team.
0: Yeah, I do too. I think that's when you realize, like, no, I do need this. I need this. I need it. And and then on the flip side, you Smash is the one who started the clear eyes, full hearts. You needed him to say that because he's the one who was in the interview with the with the reporter saying, "I don't know if Coach T's got it." You know what? Fuck, I'm going play a clip. Play a clip, yeah, here it is. Clear
1: eyes, full hearts, can't lose. Clear eyes,
2: full hearts, can't, Clear lose. Eyes, full heart, can't, can't lose. lose. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't, can't lose. lose. Can't, can't lose. lose.
0: You need Smash to be the one that starts that. Clear eyes, full hearts. And then instead of the coach telling them and blowing the whistle to go, they all just go on their own. And then it's like coach realized that was the sign I didn't know I was looking for, but that is what I was looking for. I need them to buy in. I need them to buy into this, my message, this message, for us to overcome this street shit. Who? Ooh. Inspirational. God. Um, Let's stay on the rain. Let's stay in the rain.
1: I'm already wet. You're Might soaked. As well.
0: You're soaked. As we stay in the rain, I kind of want to wrap this podcast up with this scene with, with Coach T and Tim. It's the Goodwill hunting moment.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had to have their Goodwill hunting moment.
0: You, he's just like fucking Matt Damon in Good Will Hunting. Tim Riggins. It's like he's been putting all the weight of the street paralyzation injury on his figurative shoulders.
1: I think in his mind, he after the fault. after the interception, he didn't like hustle to tackle the guy. He felt like he quit on the play. So the fact that Street got hurt on it is he's just basically it's my fault.
0: I just thought of this. I got to get deep again. I think I think it's. He's feeling that way because as we were talking about, his whole mode is this guy gets out of this shit. My job is to just facilitate and assist him getting there. And so I think the reason why he does put blame on himself for not getting back on that play, making the, making the tackle is clearly not his fault, by the way. But why he puts that on himself is he's more putting on himself, it's my fault, that my friend, my hero who gets out of this shit, I didn't properly assist him on getting out of here. I am i don't want to say he's the caretaker, but it's like it's my got job. on his watch. Yeah, it's on my watch to just help him get there. I'm not doing my job if my friend and hero isn't going on to become great things. I think that's kind of like the weight he's taking on in this moment. And... Then another great scene happens where Coach T, all of a sudden, becomes fucking Robin Williams minus the hairy knuckles and forearms, and he gives this to fucking Tim.
2: What happened to Jason Street it was nobody's fault. This is football; things happen. It was an
0: accident. You understand me? I didn't even try to coach. So we're on the, the other cook. side of the field. It wouldn't have mattered. It was an accident. It was not your fault. Look at me. I want you to let yourself off the hook, son. I want you to let yourself off the hook. Yes, sir. Be smart. Yes, sir. Such so, such a good scene. It's such a good fucking scene. I mean, goddamn it's like it's not your fault, man. It's not your fucking fault. And then after they that share that whole embrace, then he's like.
1: You owe me a practice.
0: You owe me a practice, son. Get fucking walking. And then he gets on the bus and the rest of the team, they now leave and Tim's just got to walk home in the fucking rain. And again, I think he liked. I think he liked. And this is, again, (laughs) why you got to fucking go to our Instagram because you're going to see a picture that I put up of this scene by Carrie's Living Podcast on Instagram of Tim in the rain. Movie star Tim Riggins. I mean, you see this picture and it's like, this guy is a fucking star. He looks like a fucking John
1: Carter hero. (laughs) Get him up in there, Hollywood. He's ready to go.
0: Move aside, Jake Gyllenhaal. It's not you. Move aside, Ryan Reynolds. My shoe brother. It's not you. It's Taylor Kitsch as John Carter. Mm. You want to mention what happens when he's walking home in the rain (laughs)
1: On that. Oh yeah, he runs into Lila Garrity. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, he's hitchhiking back. Lila stops in front of him and they have this encounter where she's still pissed off on him for not getting in or going in to visit Street.
0: They're both a wreck emotionally. They're,
1: They're just a wreck. Yeah. They're just both in terrible places. She just got in a horrible fight with Street. He is just at the end of his rope and they just start pushing each other and yelling at each other. And then it just comes into a hug where they're like, fuck.
0: Crying. They're like
1: crying. You're the only person who gets me crying. It's hug, raining outside. Some comfort. And then almost out of nowhere, Lila goes in for a kiss. They start making out. They start making out hardcore. God! And so it's super fucked up. We were trying to like think through the psychology of why this happens. I know. Maybe it's just, my theory was they just need like, needed some good feeling. Like everything is so shitty and feels terrible that maybe just a little kiss a little kiss would yeah. feel good just in the moment
0: i think that's part of it and i also think like it's probably a feeling of like i know you're the only one that gets what i'm going through right now you know like yeah it,
1: that explains the hug for it's me. yeah it seemed like but why the kiss i don't know it, <laughs> i don't know
2: but god damn it definitely
1: makes things a lot more murky and interesting yep you know?
0: I don't know. I think it's just like you're sitting there and it's like I've been going through hell and back in my own mind. Lila's been handling it her own way of like fucking trying to be positive. Tim's been handling it his own way of trying to shut it all out and forget it ever happened and deflect and project. In that moment, it was like we've both been trying to deal with this and I know the person standing right in front of me who I'm about to make out with is one of the only other people in this world right now who understands what I'm fucking going through kiss kiss have, have you, I've never had this happen though I always wonder this in movies like a lot of violent almost assault scenes just turning into like a mutual consensual make yeah, and hookup. And that, that never really happens in my life if I just started shoving a girl and she started shoving me I can't imagine like the two of us just all of a sudden after that going
1: we're turned on and like need to make out I don't know especially no. if I'm soaking wet in the rain Maybe that's the maybe that's what that passion that they talk about is all about. I don't know, but yeah, if I had a little more passion in me, yeah. But I I we could also blame the rain a little bit in this, because I mean, it's raining. Oh, Reagan's is soaking wet. What are you gonna do? Not make out with him? So.
0: They do make it seem like, like, you know, we were talking about like the workplace after like 6pm, the sexual tension just turns up 20 notches and we'll never know about it because we're never there. Mm -hmm. But if we ever did, we would feel the sexual tension. I wonder if rain is also like that, where it's like, yeah, no doubt. like, goddamn, it starts raining and then all of a sudden everyone who's in the rain just gets horny as fuck. Yeah, (laughs) I guess. Um, okay let's end it there the last thing that happens is um, in that scene is Voodoo shows up to the fucking practice and then that just sets the stage for this show and the next Vicarious Living podcast because then Matt Saracen all of a sudden what's gonna happen with him who knows this guy's all heart what's he gonna do okay Pat your MVP
1: of the week is this one was easy giving it to Coach Taylor he earned the MVP Lot
0: of inspiration this he week.
1: Literally, not only did he inspire the whole team as a collective, but he single handedly picked out three individuals, dragged them out of the mire, and it like inspired the shit out of them one on one. Yeah. Saracen, he takes him to the field by yep. himself under the lights. This is all like after the clock's off. He's off the clock. Yeah. This is like nighttime stuff.
0: Just doing it for the love of the coaching game.
1: Goes to Saracen's house. Pulls him, takes him onto the field, gets the lights on, and just fires him up and gets him loud and ready for the game.
0: By the way, how pissed are you if you're that guy who who is standing up in the press box, who's got to like now come back to fucking work at like 10 p.m. at night because some overzealous, overeager practice hero of a coach wants to teach a lesson to his, his fucking player?
1: Me personally... I'm super pissed off and annoyed. That guy, he's brainwashed. So he's probably <laughs> yeah. totally into
0: it. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it's like Texas brainwashed. But uh, I'd be so pissed like, hey, coach, no, I don't want to come on and turn the fucking speakers on and, and <laughs> pump in like crowd music and then and then literally put the lights on. Like, I just want to stay at home and watch TV and drink a beer. Okay, right. sorry. Go ahead. So
1: Saracen, inspired. Mm-hmm. Smash is, literally, is talking shit <laughs> on Coach Taylor on TV. Coach Taylor shows up at his house. Gets him on the bus. They go run laps. And uh, it turns out to be Smash who rallies the team. So he flips that one on its head. And then he goes from Riggins walking off the field in the middle of one of his practices to totally winning Riggins back on the team. Like, basically forgiving Riggins. Or, I guess, alleviating the guilt off Riggins' conscience. Yeah. And, like, helping him towards the first step in his healing process with Street. Yep. So it's just like... All this extra stuff. He's a fucking... He's a, he's a high school football coach. Yeah. I he's mean, not he's built like, for this. He's, he's built like, to be the president like, of the United yeah. States. Yeah. Just going above and beyond. Uh, yeah, it's going to be tough Easy. to
0: not <laughs> just vote for him
1: every single time. I don't know
0: how you don't give uh, Coach T or Tim Riggins the MVP every single week. It's yeah. going to be so tough because both those guys are just so fucking dynamic.
1: He is my most valuable Panther.
0: Hmm. MVP of the week. Good stuff. Good stuff out of you this week. We're gonna wrap it there. Good two episodes. Episode two and episode three. We will be back next week to dig into episode four. So kids, tuck on in. Tuck on in, kids. You sleep tight. You have a real comfortable night's sleep. Good night, kids. kids. Pat
1: eyes. Full hearts.
0: Do less. Do way less. You can follow us on Instagram at Vicarious Living Podcast, and listen to all of our episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. You know you found us when you see a picture of Pat and I sitting on a couple rocks overlooking the vast landscape that is Laguna Beach. Steven's there. Just not pictured. Stephen and Elsie. Both there. Just not pictured.